Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. How many love you, Pastor? That's important. <laughs> well, it's good to be back in the church of Omaha. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, always good coming back to your roots. And I say that because this was a place where we were given an opportunity just as a young man trying to find the will of God and fulfill it by the grace of God. And you, you guys opened your hearts to me and my family. And so with that being said, thank you for having us back. Amen. But I do feel as if God has something very special for us tonight. Um, I mean, I, I found out real fast, I like pastoring. My family likes pastoring. We're not so used to traveling together anymore, so we had to have a little come-to-Jesus meeting before service, and uh, I just feel like God, God wants to maybe rip the covers off, if you will, rip the covers off the enemy. Amen. I don't preach about the devil too much, because I don't want to give him any glory, but I, I do feel like I have something, and uh, I just I want to give it to you like God gave it to me. I'll, I'll get I'll get hooped up and hollering, spitting, doing all that in a second. I got to give give myself a little time to get my preacher voice warmed up. Okay, Amen. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to stand if you would in honor of the Word of God. Turning your Bibles to Second Samuel, chapter twenty three. And we'll read verse 20 and also 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. And while you're turning there, give honor uh, to your pastor who has been a dear, dear friend of mine. Um, yeah, so I, I was thinking about all the stories that we have together. And uh, yeah, I remember Sister Powell, I, I was telling him, he told me a, of a time and I told him of a time and I remember one time we used to come up here and we'd pray during revival. We'd pray and seek the will of God. He said, Brother Near, tell me right now. And I'll, I've got a sledgehammer and I'll put a hole in that wall. We'll take that wall and we will build. I'm thankful I didn't okay it. I just said, you better check with your elders. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I love that about your man of God. He is willing to do whatever it takes to have revival. Amen. So I love him. I love his his wife and his grown-up kids. <laughs> so good to see them. Well, I got to see Braxton at, at General Conference, the Kirkpatrick's, the Melendrez's, all of all I don't want to name every I don't want to name anybody else because I'll get in trouble. Amen. But 2 Samuel chapter 23, 20. Let me give you a little context before we read the verse. David is listing some of the exploits of his mighty men that are surrounding his life. There was one that faced 800 to 1 odds and he would not back down. And that man Eleazar fought until his hand froze to a sword. There was Shema. When the rest of the army retreated, he stood for a field that everybody else retreated from. But 2 Samuel chapter 23 and 20 the Bible says, And Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabziel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. If you don't know what lion-like men, if you don't know what that, just look up here. Okay. 
or back at my son who's 13. He lion like men of Moab. And he went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in a time of snow. Somebody say the right place and the right time. Amen. First Peter 5 and 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Somebody say, he's like a lion. The devil's like a lion. So tonight I'm going to preach about the reality of the roar. The reality of the roar. Row. Amen. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we come tonight into your presence in the name of Jesus, asking, O oh God, that you would speak to us in a very special way like only you can. Let the word come off of that page and into our hearts, for it is forever settled in heaven. But I pray, let it be settled in us tonight. Confirm your word with signs following. I pray, let a spirit of revelation and understanding come to us. But Father, as I submit to my authority and to the authority of the man of God that's in this house, I take authority. And I bind every hindering spirit, every lie of the devil, and I pray every hindering, whether spirit, whether human or demonic, I bind it now. And I pray your perfect will would be completely accomplished in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. Would you clap your hands as you're seated? Amen. So here's the deal. Over the last 15 years of ministry, I have watched churches in every different demographic. I have watched churches from going over the last 15 years to church to church to church almost every different weekend except for the last two, almost three years. And one thing that I've realized with all of these churches, I've noticed that there are churches that they, they get on the offensive and they start moving forward and they, they, they start growing and they come to the brink of revival, Bishop. They come to the cusp of a great harvest of souls like never before and they are about to explode. They are literally tipped towing along the edge of revival and about to step into it only for the devil. Do you like that? That's the pastor coming out in me. Churches moving forward. Churches growing Only for the devil to rear his ugly head and to loose his forked tongue and release an all-out verbal assault on God's people to put them back into a defensive posture. Oh, and, and causing revival and harvest to be aborted and their purpose to be postponed. And with that sound of the lie of a loosed forked 
tongue that, that the church gets so distracted. But when I was coming out of the gym, we're very uh, military uh, installations all around our city, six military installations in NORAD. We've got all kinds of stuff in Colorado Springs. So as I was coming out of the gym right next door, there is a U.S. Navy recruitment center. And on the door, it said this. It said, in times of crisis, some run to the fight. And something struck me because having seen church after church come to this place where they are about to see things that they had never seen and only have been promised. I've watched them get there for the devil to roar and to cause the people to go back into a defensive posture. But when I read this in times of crisis, some run to the fight. I, I just something rose up in me that said, you know what? I want revival enough that I'm willing to run headlong into the fire and headlong into the fight. I wish somebody today or tonight rather I wish you'd get that fight back in you where you said come hell or high water hey I'm going to have revival. I got to teach the Bible. We just celebrated September 11th. I don't know if you really celebrate it as much as remember it. But September 11, 2001, you know as well as I do that four airplanes were hijacked by terrorists bent on evil. And of those planes, of the, two of those planes crashed into the Twin Towers in New York City. One of them crashed in Old Town, Pennsylvania, or Stony Creek Township, rather, Pennsylvania. And one of them crashed into the west side of the Pentagon. The natural instinct for those in the building that that Pentecost, that, or not Pentecost, the Pentagon, the natural instinct for those people in that building was to get out. But on that day, there were heroes who didn't run out. They ran into those buildings to help those who needed help. And one of them was Lieutenant Colonel Ted Anderson. One account captures his story this way. Anderson acted like a man possessed. Others ran for their lives, but he sprinted from his office towards the point of impact, spreading his jacket over shards of glass on a windowsill. Anderson had not had a non-commissioned officer boost him into the collapsing building, and together they carried out two women, one of them unconscious and the other badly burned. But over the next hour, as the rest of the world looked on in shock and horror, Ted Anderson returned to the blaze over and over again. At one point, he and the officer were low crawling through the inferno screaming to be heard above the roar. Arlington County firefighters finally restrained them the and probably saved their lives because just a few minutes later the building came tumbling down. But Ted Anderson he stayed at the Pentagon all day in part because his keys were at his desk in the Pentagon. 
That night though, the building superintendent let him get his keys. He drove home and then he listened to 52 messages on his answering machine. Remember those? And he took a shower and he cried for 30 minutes and tried to go to sleep. But at 1 a.m. his boss called and said, I can't sleep. Let's go to work. Put on your battle uniform. So in the middle of the night, they, 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 they headed back to the Pentagon because they knew that they were at war and like Colonel Ted Anderson and like Benaniah of old I wonder if there's somebody that you're not going to shy away from the fight but you're going to turn headlong and start heading the direction of the sound of revival I'm here to tell you when Benaniah heard the roar, he didn't run from it, but he ran to it. Why? Because he knew, he knew that it was the right time and the right season for revival. So it was Paul that said it like this, the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 4 and 17. He said this, notwithstanding, in other words, he was talking about a bunch of people had left him. He was, he was broken hearted. People walked away. But he said, notwithstanding. That means some people aren't standing with him anymore. <laughs> notwithstanding, because that's the context for the verse. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me. And strengthened me that by me the preaching might be fully known. And that. All the Gentiles might hear. Notice he said he wanted the preaching not to just be known, but fully known. And the Gentiles, not just a few, but all the Gentiles might hear what he has to say. And he goes on, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Well, what do you mean that, that you were delivered out of the mouth of the lion? To, to what was Paul referencing when he wanted to make sure that everybody heard the gospel and all the Gentiles would hear? What was it? Because out of the mouths of the lion, it doesn't really have a defined limit of reference. But it is possible that it is referencing the lion of the amphitheaters and the Colosseums. Or was the lion in reference to Nero, the then Roman emperor? Because at the death of Tiberius Caesar years earlier, when he died, the phrase was coined, the lion is dead. Or was it Rome that it was referencing itself? Knowing that the popular cry against the Christians later in Rome was simply this. The cry that was in the voice of the people of Rome was Christianos ad Leonum. Which literally means Christians to the lions. So what was it that Paul was referencing being delivered from the mouth of the lion. Was it the lion of the amphitheaters? Was it the, the, the lion 
called Caesar? Was it, was it Rome itself? Christianos at Leonum. Just throw those Christians in with the lions. To what was Paul referring? But I'm here to preach that it was all of those and none of them at the same time because in all reality we know that it was Satan it was Satan here that was being referenced that he was going as a lion roaming seeking whom he may devour but the danger that the apostle escaped was not death itself because Paul did not fear death but Paul's fear was that by the intimidation of the enemy that he would not completely fulfill all of God's will and that's why he said that the word might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear and I'm here to tell you the fear of Paul and every preacher and every saint of God should be that you will not fulfill all of God's will I don't want to fulfill God's will just up until 2020 and then back off because I'm scared because of the voice the roar I don't want to be intimidated and say, well, I've done enough. I've gave enough. I've put my life at risk. I don't want to tiptoe on the edge of what God has for a church. I don't want to just stay right there and see it, but then back off of it because I am intimidated. Listen to me. But the roar was an attempt. You know what it was? It was an attempt to threaten and intimidate every believer from moving forward. The roar is his endeavor to discourage you and to get you or us to throw in the towel, to apply pressure mentally, emotionally, so that we will settle for less than the promises of God so can I tell you when all those evil thoughts come which assault your mind and attempt to wreck your spirit or even break your body when you hear that roar don't run from but press into it it feels good to preach but it's not enough to just preach It's that all and fully might be accomplished. Yeah. Because here's the deal. The roar is that nagging thought. What if it doesn't work? What if I die and I don't reach who I'm called to reach? What if I get sick? What if they walk away? What if they... And all these thoughts all the mental anguish, all the emotional, just the, 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 the devil will tell you, hey, you can't go up there. You just did what you did. You just cut them off on the way to church. and That's what he's telling me right now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't cut nobody off. I'm, I'm from Iowa, okay? I don't. I mean, don't hold that against me. But uh, I mean, when I drive in Colorado, they're mean there. They need some Midwest hospitality. Because we go to Colorado, I'm apologizing for people that cut me off. I'm like, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. You know. Shoving me around. My wife's from Colorado, so she's. I'm telling she did something today, did a U-turn trying to get some gas. And I, I mean, I don't usually let her drive just because 
I had it in my mind. Now, now, okay, ease up. I usually don't let her drive just because I feel like I need to take care of my wife and, and drive her around and, you know, chauffeur her and escort her, you know. I mean, it's, hey, my intentions aren't all too pure. I just don't want to die. That's, uh, okay, y'all were thinking I was like some, some knight in shining armor. Okay, no, listen. No, no, no. But it's like me and my wife. I just, because here's, here's the picture. I finally let her drive, and I'm there. I got a neck pillow on, <laughs> and she's all driving. I mean, she's like, up, she's driving. And I'm up there with my neck pillow, and I was like, I just didn't feel very manly at the time. But she, she whipped a Yui. My, my drink went flying. Just, she, she peeled tires, the whole work. She's from Colorado. And I get intimidated sometimes with those Colorado drivers. But I'm here to tell you, she let them tires roar. But the funny thing is that with all of that, the devil, he roars. And it can intimidate us. And we don't, and a lot of times we think that that roar is, it's this high, no, no, no. A lot of times you might not even be able to hear the roar because it's so much bass that you can only feel it. And the reason why there's so much bass, I don't know if it's the reason why, I don't think the lion intentionally does it, but he roars with such bass that it causes confusion, that it shakes the ground. You don't necessarily hear it as much as you feel it, but when you feel it, you're like, where's that coming from? And there's a lot of times when you're trying to do the will of God, the devil's not just going to let you do the will of God. He's not going to make it easy for you to get to church. He's not going to make it easy for you to teach a Bible study. He's not going to make it easy for you to have a good family night. Let me try it with the right hand. He's not going he's not going to make he's not going to let you have a good family night. Let me let me share with share with you because this is what happens, but here's the deal. I'm about to, I'm about to get to what I'm what I'm feeling. Okay, you ready? I'm going to let the cat out the bag. You ready? I'm going to give you the reality of the roar. You ready? Did you go to Bible college? Okay, you're going to understand this then because this is deep. Okay? The reality of the roar, the devil's input, the thoughts, he, the things that he said. The reality of his roar is that his roar's not reality. No, you didn't catch it. You didn't catch it. Semester two, here it comes. You ready? You ready? Watch it now. The reality of the roar is that his roar's not reality. Folks, he's a liar. So if he says you can't, if he says you won't be healed, if he said it won't work, 
The reality of the roar is that his roar is not reality. <laughs> let, me, let me preach this a little bit further because I want you to understand. There's some people, they, they try to cast demons out and they'll get up next to that person. What's your name? Because Jesus did that. Jesus said, what's your name? And he said, my name is Legion because we are many. Right? Don't try that. Don't ask the devil a question. He's going to lie to you anyway. Because you know what he'd probably say? He'd probably, oh, I better not. I better not. I'm having so much fun, pastors. I'm having so much fun. Because here's what I want you to understand. I know that's a simple concept, but to live it out is much more difficult. Because the reality of his roar is that his roar is not reality. So when he comes and he's barking and he, he's meow and he's doing all that he does to try to distract you and intimidate you, he speaks to you because he knows that's all that he has. But the reality of the roar is that his roar is not reality. Allow me to prove it biblically. Because if you go to Job chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth from, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job? Thanks, God. No, go back. Go back to verse 7. Watch this now. Here comes Satan. Into the presence of God. I don't know how he got there. He got kicked out. But he's there. And he says, and, and God says in verse 6, yeah, go, uh, what did I give you a verse? Yeah, the first part of verse 7. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? And then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro throughout all the earth. You know, he's pacing. Have you ever been to the zoo? I heard Omaha's got a little zoo here. It's like we got a zoo on the side of a mountain. Beat that. Bigger zoo just means a lot more walking. Right? But we got, I mean, our zoo is pretty cool, Cheyenne Mountain Zoo. But we were there. And I mean, this scripture stuck out to me after I walked with that lion. That there was a lion that was outside. They have some that were stored away in the glass cases. <laughs> and then they, they, I don't know if that's really what they're. But okay, so I see these lions. I'm having too much fun, guys. You need to pray for me. Because these lions were going to and fro, to it, just doing this. And they're kind of looking at everybody. Because what they do during the winter months is they, they hang up Christmas lights. And then you get to see the animals at night with Christmas lights. It's really neat. But we were there with a couple from the church and those lions are looking at everybody. Who can I pick off? Who's, who's the weak? Who's the sick? Who's the old? Who's the, who's the feeble? And you could tell that lion is looking. And then all of a sudden, my, my, one of the men in our church, I, I w wish this happened to me because I, I love to have a good story to tell. But this lion all of a sudden turns and sprays my friend. For everybody else that didn't catch it. He marked my friend. A man in our church. Marked him. Right on here. 
I was like, dude, he's like, he just marked me. And I was like, that's what the lion does. He was, I choose him. <laughs> and I was like, now how many of you can say that you've been peed on by a lion? Right? Now, hey, listen, I mean, he, too bad for him, but I was like, I wish it happened to me. So I can go around and say, I got a lion peed on me. Not everybody can say that a lion's peed on him. I'm sorry. That's why we kept our students in, right? Did you hear that guy? I don't remember what he preached. But he got peed on by a lion, right? Think about that. So listen, that's, that's what Satan is literally doing. He's walking to and fro in the earth. He's measuring people. He's watching. He's looking. Who am I going to mark? He's marking his target. And, and, and then God says, you tried my servant Job? He says, yeah, but you've got a hedge around him. That means he's been doing his homework. You're protecting him. There's favor in his life. I can't even get close to him, his family, or his stuff. But watch what the Bible says. Uh, the, Satan's like, you got a, you got a hedge about him. I can't, hast thou considered thy servant Job? There is none like him. And hast thou made an hedge about him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil? Man, the devil's even talking him up. But watch this. He says... Oh, there's more to that verse. Thou hast blessed. Where were we at? Verse 10. Oh, hast thou made. Now, I'm going to read the whole verse because I don't know where you are. This all. All right. Hast thou not made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth now thine hand and touch all that he hath. This is God saying it. But, but no, no, or this is what Satan's saying to God. But put forth thine hand and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy faith. If you take away his increase, you take away the blessing on his, the work of his hands and his substance. You take all that away. He'll curse you. But, 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 but watch what God says in verse 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. His increase, the blessing of the work of his hand, all of that, God gave him permission to have power over it. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand so Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now I remember there was a time where I had an encounter that I think fits with this whole scenario. Not that I went through as much as Job did, but I went through something. I was, I was one time I was teaching a Bible study at my mom's house. And as we're teaching the Bible study, one week, Somebody comes up to the door. I think I've told this story here before. I don't know for you that are new. Buckle the seatbelt. All right. Because I was teaching a Bible study about the blood of Jesus. And all of a sudden, I got a sick feeling in my stomach, just discerning of spirits. Somebody knocked on the door. And it was somebody that was full of the Holy Ghost. We invited them in, sat them at the table, began to teach the Bible study again. The lady grabs her ears, closes her eyes, begins to shout, no, in a man's voice. Like, I, it was completely demonic. As she, because she didn't want to, he didn't want, he that was in her did not want to hear 
about the blood of Jesus. So she grabs her ears and closes her eyes and starts saying, no, 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 no. My mom's scared to death. She jumps back, says, devil be gone, devil be gone. But I said, look at me and listen. Devil, you have no place here in the name of Jesus. Come out of her now. And you watched it, and it took off. And she came to you, started flying, and we prayed her through to the Holy Ghost. I wouldn't want to say it was my drunk aunt, but it was. But then, the next week I'm going back to teach the Bible study at the same place. And she's going to bring my cousin to the Bible study. And when, when they come, I'm on my way going down uh, 35, coming to the house. And all of a sudden, if I, I've never heard, I don't want to say I've heard God audibly, but I heard the devil audibly. And as I'm driving to this Bible study, because the devil knew what was fixing to happen. So he says, I'm going to kill you. And all of a sudden, my heart started racing, all seriousness. My heart started racing. And I literally, I'm not one that's prone to panic and anxiety. My wife, she said it today best. I was like, I'm so excited. She's like, well, what you call excitement, I usually call anxiety. That difference between an introvert and an extrovert, right? It's like, it's like I'm not prone to panic and anxiety, but when I heard that, you know what I heard? I said, babe, I don't know if... I don't, I don't, I don't feel good. I, I just said I don't feel right. Something, something's not right. I, I, maybe it's palpitation. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to sweat. My, my, my hands are getting clammy. I'm like, oh gosh. And I, I had to get to my mom's house, and I went down the basement before everybody got there. And I went down that basement. I started. What, what do I do, God? What do I do? The devil, the devil's going to kill me. So I, I, I'm, I'm literally going in full on panic mode. And, and so I do what I, I, I only knew to do. I, I called my pastor, and I, I said, Pastor, the devil. The devil told me he was going to kill me. And that joker started laughing. He literally started, I could hear him laughing over the phone. I'm like, why are you laughing? I'm about to have a panic attack. I'm about to die. Don't you understand? And he said something that gave me a life lesson. He said, Ryan, if the devil could have killed you, he already would have. But the fact that he's telling you he's going to kill you is telling you he don't have permission to do so. I'm here to tell you the devil says this. This ain't going to happen. Your kids are never coming back. You can't have revival past 200 people. You can't break that barrier. It's been tried before and it's not going to happen. Look at all the work that they did and didn't happen then. It's not going to happen. But I'm here to tell you when the devil begins to roar and send you into a panic, a fit, anxiety, you go ahead, go ahead and wash your hands, but have revival. My God, somebody hear me today. I want to preach just a little while. If the devil could have killed you, he would have. If you were going to backslide, you already would have. Ah. Clap your hands to him and just shout yes. Because ah. here's the point. He showed me the books that he read, He wrote. I try to write a chapter. I was like, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> right? But, Bishop, we know 
your expository handle on the Word of God. Show me one place in the Bible where the devil ever spoke to Job. Not once. He talked to God. But he never talked to Job. Because if he talks to God, he's busy getting permission. But if he's talking to you, he gave himself away that he ain't got permission. So if he's talking to you, he's saying that I don't have permission from him. Because if he has permission, he'd already took you out. If he had permission, he'd already burnt your house down. If he had permission... But the fact that he's trying to whisper in your ear and say, listen, your best days are behind you. You better just settle for what you have now and don't expect anything more. I'm here to tell somebody, if he's whispering into your ear, that means he don't have permission from the... I wish somebody'd bow up tonight and say, devil, you're a liar. I am beautiful. I am worth it. I am valuable. You're never going to get free. But if he's talking to you, not one time in your Bible does he ever talk to Job. Because he got permission from on high. But watch now. This is, this is so good. I love this because what that leads me to believe is that Satan's threatenings are just a testimony that he doesn't have permission to do what he's saying he will do. And the reality of the roar is that the devil's just full of hot air. And the reality of the roar is revealing to us God has made a hedge about us and about our house and about all that we have and that God hath blessed the work of our hands and the substance is increased in the land. Can I tell you the devil, he, he can holler at you, but he's going to have to holler over a hedge. He can holler all he wants, but he's going to have to get past favor. He's going to have to get Pass the blessing on the work of your hands. He's going to have to scratch. That's why he's shouting so loud. All because he's trying to reach you beyond the borders of your blessing. So the fact that he's talking to you, it's telling you that you've got a hedge. That you've got blessing. That you've got increase. How about Revelation Revelation 12 and 12. We've heard this verse before. If you haven't, it's going to be a great one to learn. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them, and woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath. For the devil has come down unto you, having Because he knoweth he hath but a short time. You know what that's telling me? His wrath 
is just a manifestation of his known limitation. That's good preaching right there. You're not responding as good as I'm preaching right now. (laughs) Hear me. The more he riles himself up, the more he brings wrath to a generation, bringing confusion and trying to mar the lines. Hear me, somebody. The the meaner he gets and the angrier he gets, the more they rile. I know I was there. Listen, folks. Listen, I'm not political. There's not one political bone in my body. But when somebody got elected, some... Eight years ago, somebody got, I was just a a boy from Iowa up in Vancouver, British Columbia, Columbia, Canada. I was in Canada, and they were marching in the streets. And I got to walk down the street to the, the pastor's house. And they have signs, they're cussing, there's, I mean, it was bad. I'm like, oh my goodness. The devil was roaring. I was like, man, goodness. And I just like question, started questioning everything, everything I believe. In a moment, just kind of flashed through my, man. But I'm here to tell you the more wrath that he comes with, just know the more wrath that there is, the closer and the short, let me say it like this, the, 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 greater, his la, the greater his wrath, the shorter his leash. Write that down. Somebody write that down. Put that in Bishop's next book. Why the devil never spoke to Job. Because the greater the wrath, the shorter the leash. So he may be coming with vehement anger towards the church in this next year. You hear me. I'm just prophesying right now. Because they're gearing up. And I'm not going to get into all of it because I ain't political. But I'll tell you one thing. I do know it is an election year. And it don't matter who gets elected. There's going to be an upheaval. And the devil is going to come with great wrath. But just know it's going to seem like it's getting closer to your family. It's going to be in all the schools. It's going to be, but you hear me tonight. It may get close to home, but the greater his wrath, the shorter his leash. And the Bible said that we have the greater he is in us than he that is in the world. I want somebody to know tonight, and the Bible said that he, the greater he that is in me, until he be taken out of the way, that man of sin will not be fully revealed. As long as I'm here, devil, you can roar, but I'm going to have revival until the greater he is taken out of here. All right. All right. Listen. Things are going to ramp up. Hear me. We've already started to prepare the church. That there's not going to be division. We already started to prepare the church. Don't believe, don't bring your political parties in here. We already started to, listen, listen, I'm telling you what. It's like 
in the kingdom of God. It's multicultural, multi-generational. There's going to be every nation, tribe, and tongue. Not just in the kingdom, but the kingdom. Let it be done in, in Colorado Springs as it is in heaven. As it is in Omaha or in heaven, let it be done in Omaha. So I've been started telling them, hey, we're not going to bring that political garbage in here. We're not going to bring race in here. I'm a, we're not going to not acknowledge race. But what we're going to do is we're not going to pit races against each other. And we're, oh, my God. because oh. My God. Is this okay? Okay. She blinked twice. That means move on. Okay, here we are. But I want you to understand, that's why we got to prepare now. Because it'll never happen. We're the church. Are you kidding me? He's going to haul her over the hedge. Do you see how they treated you? And they're the church. And they believe this? They're going to vote for that? Very careful. Because the reality of his roar is that his roar is not reality. And guess what? I did, this wasn't in the notes. But do you realize that Satan, the Bible says in Jude, that Satan that was once Lucifer, he left his first estate. And the Bible says that, that God has a place prepared for him called the lake of fire. But in between his first estate and his last, the only place that he has is the space in between us. Did you hear that? The only place that the devil has... He left his first estate in heaven. He's got a lake of fire in hell. But in between, the Bible says, that's why he said don't give no place. He was charging the church, give no place to the devil. Why? Because the only place that the enemy has to dwell is that spot in between us. And the greater the spot, the more he's going to exist between us. But I'm here to tell you, that's why you better in this next year link up arm to arm and say, Say, there's not going to be no room. I'm not going to let anything get in between me and my brother and my sister. I'm not giving him. Because you give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. My mom would be proud that I use that saying. She always like, I give you an inch, you take a mile. She said that to me. I'm going to close down. Can I get a, whoever you have? I was so excited, everybody. Seen sister, pal, on the floor worshiping. Not on the floor, but she was down here. Because she used to be up there pounding those keys, directing traffic, doing, right? Getting doctorates and... <laughs> that better not have been the spirit of prophecy, right? So what do you do when the low rumbles?
begin. It's going to happen this next year. I'm telling you, they're gearing up for another round. COVID too, get ready. It's coming. I don't mean to scare nobody. That's not the point. But there are things that are low rumbles that are beginning to happen, a growl beyond the hedge of our homes. But when you hear that roar, will you back away? Protecting yourself and just hoping you make it. Or when you hear that roar, will you you say, you know what? Like Colonel Ted Anderson and like Benaniah saying, you know what? He went down also. He slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. It was the right place and it was the right time. And if not him, then who? I'm telling the church of Omaha right now that this is the right place and this is the right time for revival. But how does that happen? You've got to conquer the reality of the roar that sometimes has held hostage your faith. I'll tell you how I know. Bishop, because this last year was the most difficult year of ministry of my life. Because we are pastoring and, you know, we're, we're about, we, we took the church, there's about 21 voting members. And then we got, we're having great revival. We're, we're up around 60. Can't really break 70 just yet, but we're around 60 almost all the time. And it was great. But then all of a sudden, the father in the church, he, he kind of said, can I meet you at the church? He is distraught. And he, he literally just got a hold of me, shared some incriminating evidence with a man that we knew. And I said, if you don't call the police, I've got to call the police right now. And we called the police and I had to put a man in jail because of some incriminating evidence. And they were going to somehow, they somehow the news got hold of it because the sheriff's department shared it. And they all of a sudden they tried to tie it to us. I hope I'm not sharing too much information. But... What I do know is that we tried to do everything that we could, that we knew to do to make sure things were done right because there's some things that ought to be taken care of the right way. So we did. And I'm the one that talked to the sheriff. And I was like, we will not put up with anything of this sort. But the news got a hold of it. They tied the man to our church. I don't know how they did it, but they did it. We were in every newspaper in Colorado Springs. The sheriff's department said, we've got to, we've got to run something, but we'll probably, we'll probably not, uh, we'll, we'll probably not, they won't use the name, I don't think that, but they blasted the name. They put news, they put news cameras all around our, our property, and they, they blasted us. And I was like, for three days, Thursday, I just was trying to do what was right. And this is what I get for trying to do what's right. And for three days, I can't sleep. Me and my wife are tossing and turning. And the devil.
devil is just piping in our ears. You're never going to recover from this. You're a brand new pastor. And this is what now represents you. The whole city knows you all right. I had news people. I called her insurance people like, do I got to get a lawyer? What do I got to do? Because we did everything we we're supposed to do. We... And the insurance guy said, out of everybody, he said, Pastor Near, he said, this is a spiritual attack. He said, you're at war with the enemy right now. He, you know what he told me to do? He said, I would say nothing because you did exactly what you needed to do. So say nothing. And if you give them anything, if it bleeds, it leads. I said, okay, I'm going to be quiet. I'm not going to say anything. Because my pride wanted to defend the church. That's our name. The Lord said, I've been, I've been defending the church long enough. But for three days, no, listen, for three days, I cannot sleep. And I'm not given to anxiety. I'm not given to pain. I'm not, but I can't sleep. And all the devil's doing is in my ear. You can't sleep with that in your ear. To the place, Bishop, where I couldn't even, I didn't even want to go to church. Because I knew that they'd be waiting for me. We showed up Sunday morning. Thank God there were the news crews were already gone and they'd already run their, their things. And, and, but we had, we had long, signs in the lawn defaming us. I was scared to death. Didn't know what I was going to do. I'm going to have to go back evangelizing. But I'm here to tell you, you know what we met when we came? Instead of running from the roar for three days, I just sat by myself wondering what I was going to do and how, how, how do I tell the people in the church when they, they're going to see it on the new, everything's going to go on and everything. And we communicated with all our leaders and tried to do everything we could to best prepare. But all we could do, instead of backing away from it, instead of shying away from it and sneaking out the back door, we had to, when we heard that roar, we had to run towards it. And so I got up that Sunday morning and I ran towards that roar because I remember the word God spoke to me that this is the right place and this is the right time and I'm here to tell you what happened we from that point we were 60 maybe 70 but we came to church that day and we had broken our 100 barrier we had 120 people that's and since then, listen to me, since then, we haven't dipped below a hundred. Because the devil, the reality of the roar is that his roar's not reality. But I could have quit. I could have given up. I could have said, this ain't the church for me. But the next Sunday, we decided to start praying. And the next Sunday, God blessed our church with a family. Their, their last name's the Lavalau family. They're from American Samoa. American Samoan Islands. I got a picture. God brought this family. They were hungry. They were looking for a God. For a God. I don't know if you, there it is. A family of 15. 
and they came in and the very first service just a week after the news had just defamed us and after I wanted to quit, after I wanted to give up as the devil was hollering over the hedge, it's not going to work for you, you might as well go on down the road, you ain't going to have revival I'm here to tell you the first that first Sunday after we had that family of 15 they came and 12 of them now have the Holy Ghost and 10 have been baptized in Jesus name it's the right it's the right place for revival. So I wonder if somebody, when we hear this roar, would you run out of your seat and run to the... Stop the music. I want us all to stand right now. I felt like God was trying to rip the cover off the devil tonight. So how are you going to respond to the roar? Are you going to sit back, be stubborn, and say, we'll just wait and see how this goes? Are you, when that roar goes, are you going to run to it and say, it's time to give me a lion's carcass on my wall? If you want that revival in your family, your home, your church, when they play this roar, I want to see how you're going to respond. Come on, run to this altar. Come on, run to this altar. It's the right time. It's the right place. Come on, throw your hands up. Come on, every young person run. Every person. Hey. Come on, the devil told you you couldn't. The devil told you it never happened. But I'm here to tell you, 200, that's nothing but a number. You wait, God. Come on, press into it. Lean into it. church would get their voice and let their own roar out right now. Run to the fire! 